0: Welcome to El Desvio. Many roads, one destination. Encountering challenges, making decisions, confronting struggles, and better understanding the reasons for polarizing positions are but a part of being engaged in our nation's ability to discuss and advance towards a more inclusive and fair society. However, there is no set formula to achieve these objectives. El Desvío presents listeners with 30 minutes of thought-provoking discussions on relevant issues
1: we face as a nation. Mi gente, welcome to El Desvío. We are your hosts, Jose Vargas and Andrea Arenas. And today's show will focus on the Georgia runoff election that's taking place on Tuesday, January 5th. And you know what? The stakes couldn't be any higher. This is for the whole enchilada. This can be a shift of power to the Democrats that in turn will only serve to hand President-elect Biden broad power to carry out the political agenda he and Kamala Harris have set forward for this country. So today and over the next couple of days, guess what? Georgia is on our minds.
0: and I will probably be singing this all day. It's so catchy and fun, but more than that, it's also telling of the fight for equality and civil justice that minorities continue to face and continue to fight for, right?
1: And Andrea, I'm excited because to talk about the fact that we all have Georgia on our minds is an amazing set of guests who are here with us today. Hector Flores, from Las Cafeteras, a Chicano band from East Sale, Susan Duran, Georgia State Director of Poder Latinx and a LACLA Trabajadoras Fellow. And Maria Rosario Palacios, Executive Director of Georgia Familias Unidas. Thank you
0: to all our amazing guests. And now, Jose, allow me to dive right into this song. Héctor, Georgia On My Mind is a song that is thought of as iconic, as it takes us back to Ray Charles' version of 1960 amid the fight for civil and equal rights. Yet despite the time that separates Ray Charles, Georgia On My Mind, Your version still reflects the need for communities of color to elevate their voices. Do you think that there is a timeless message in the way you have spun this song, transforming it into a timely call for civic engagement?
2: When Ray Charles sang the song Georgia, it was with a sentiment that longed for for justice, for equity. Um, Our interpretation is the same. Historically, Georgia has been a mirror for this country and at different times reflecting the past, present, and the future. And the, and the South in general has constantly asked us which way we would like to go as a country, forward or backward. In Georgia specifically, with the recent attacks to voting rights, the assault on black life, such as in the case of, of Ahmaud Arbery, and the anti-immigrant rhetoric that's come out of there, we wanted to share a love letter to Georgia in these times. Because if we've learned anything from this pandemic is that we're much more connected as humans than we thought. What happens in Georgia affects me here in California and what happens in California affects y'all out there in Georgia.
1: You are so right, Hector. We often forget how we are all connected. Thank you for reminding us of that today. In this brilliant version of Georgia On My Mind, You have mastered the merging of two or more rhythms, styles, and languages. What is the message this song is trying to send, taking into account the current political and historical context that our nation is going through?
2: Uh, You know, we wanted when writing this song, you know, what's the message? Well, we want a world where many worlds fit. We wanted to reimagine a song that embodied multiple communities, languages, and diasporas. We wanted a song to reflect the change that we wanted to see happening, not just in Georgia, but in the country. A change in rhythm, a change in demographic, a change in culture. We wanted to show that if these changes could live harmoniously in a song, then it was possible for them to live harmoniously in this country.
0: Hector, today, at this moment, our mind is in Georgia. But we know that after January 5th, 2021, the fight for Latino and immigrant justice will continue. What do you think our minds will be in six months?
2: Gosh. You know, one thing we have to understand is that we were able to defeat Trump because of organizing. We were able to flip Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, because of organizing. And I th- hope that in six months we understand our collective power and that we're not just fighting for Latino justice or immigrant justice. We're fighting for intersectional justice. And my hope is that in six months, Rasa is still fighting for black lives. Rasa is fighting against a Muslim band, you know, and we're fighting for trans justice. And I'm hoping that in six months that there'll be not only a national consciousness but a global consciousness that medicine is a human right, and that access to healthcare is a human right. And I'm not just talking about everybody needs to have access to a vaccine, um, you know, because of this pandemic. But you know, we had a pandemic before: the pandemic of racism, the pandemic of poverty, the pandemic of greed. Um, and if we allow, and it doesn't have to be like that. And those are ills, those are those societal pandemics that can be addressed by going to the root cause, by having a common understanding that we are interconnected as humans. And if you're healthy, I'm healthy. And if you're unhealthy, then I'm unhealthy. And I'm hoping in six months, there'll be a collective consciousness around our collective humanity and how that we have to build the structures that allow for people to have access to health care, uh, to a dig, you know, dignified way of life. Uh, and, you know, you shoot for the moon, and even if you miss, you end up with the stars.
1: Hector, increíble. That was powerful and so insightful, mi hermano. Let me follow up with one last question before you go. What's your direct message to the voters of Georgia?
2: Pues, Ahí va. En Georgia son pocos, pero son locos. Se ve, se siente. El pueblo está presente. Suerte mi raza y que se vayan a votar. Órale. Thank
0: you, Susan, for joining us today. And now to you. Why do you think the Latino electorate is so important in the upcoming Georgia
3: runoff election? This has been a very different election cycle compared to previous years. And the Latinx electorate, it's very important in this upcoming Georgia runoff. And for the obvious reason that we're people and that we matter, you know, the, the turnout really is what helped prop Georgia turning blue for the first time in 28 years, the first time in a lot of our lives. Um, we saw over 160,000 Latinos vote in November. Almost 70% went to Biden. Um, and we saw how this was really a mandate about who we don't want in office. What we want is changed from the status quo, is change from what the administration has done. Um, and We're seeing just how impactful our votes are and that we can make this difference. We saw how the youth turnout also really aided Biden's victory in Georgia and the Latinx electorate in Georgia, 72% are under the age of 35. And outside of the reason of, you know, that we are a community that has been long neglected, we have issues that we care about that impact us. And this is so important to really flex our muscle, show that we have power, that we have power we can leverage and power that we will leverage um, in order to make a lot of these uh, policy issues become policy actions. The Latino vote is, you know, we don't care just about one thing like immigration reform. We care about higher education, you know, getting rid of student debt. We want a higher minimum wage, you know, one that where we can thrive, a thriving and living minimum wage. We care about police reform. We're a community that also gets targeted by police departments and law enforcement. Um, We saw in Cobb County and Gwinnett County that the two sheriffs who supported this 287G program where local law enforcement can be deputized and be allowed to hold undocumented immigrants for ICE to come and get them. And we saw that the young voters, the Voters who were against that kind of police profiling and uh, borderline fascist behavior, they voted those sheriffs out. They voted those two sheriffs out and they voted for two sheriffs who made a commitment to ending that 287G program. So that's already a win right there. And if we can do that in Cobb and Gwinnett County, we can do it throughout the state and we can do it by coming on a vote and that we are a community to be reckoned with. But most importantly, a community that needs to be respected. Um, we want justice. We want dignity. We want respect, and we want to be paid attention to. We want our issues to become the issues that are addressed instead of being relegated to a community that either is is you know portrayed as you know not going out to vote. It's just it's not that we don't don't vote for someone, but we're never given what to vote for. Um, and I think in this election we saw that we saw that. We are voting for change. We are voting for relief from this pandemic, for relief from the recession, for relief from unemployment, for relief from eviction, for relief, and that's what we're voting for. And that's why we're so important in this election, this runoff, because we get to decide the senate composition. We get to decide whether or not Mitch McConnell gets to deny another stimulus uh, payment bill like he did today. Um, we get to decide whether some legislation like that can pass the Senate and land on the president-elect's desk to sign. Um, Because we're seeing black and brown people disproportionately affected by COVID, job losses, people are dropping out of the university, poultry workers in Georgia dying, being exposed to COVID at work with no protection. And we're voting for ourselves to, to help each other, to protect each other. Um, we're voting for something greater than us. And can you tell us a little bit more about
0: what your efforts have been focused on in Georgia? Have you done anything different from other years? And if so, why?
3: What we've been doing in Georgia for the runoff is we've had a phone banking program and a Canvas program. We, for a phone banking program, um, we actually just met our goal yesterday. We surpassed our goal. Our goal was 337,000 uh, phone calls, and we just made over 380,000. Um, but we're going to continue with our phone making for Geotv Geo TV to make sure that we call every single person who has not voted to go and vote this Tuesday. Um, our canvassing program, we are knocking doors in Fulton, Gwinnett, Cobb, DeKalb and Clayton County. Um, I think that's kind of one thing that we're seeing different is uh, where is the canvassing being done. We're seeing in this election a lot more folks are pouring in resources and people. Um, although we are new in Georgia, um, our 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 vision is not. Our people are not. Um, I was raised in Georgia. I've been here all my life. I've organized here for several years. You know, our teams they're all Georgia born or Georgia grown. Um, and we have a stake in this election. Um, but we're also what we're gonna do different is that after the election, um, we're gonna stay here. We are going to continue this outreach. We are going to register new voters. We are going to keep our community updated, informed, and educated on local issues that they care about., uh, we want to make sure that the community has the tools they need to to really make sure that they're addressing their issues in the way they need to be addressed. Because we know the only way to fix problems is for the person to identi- the person who's having the problem, they identify the solution because they're living the problem. And that's a really kind of empowerment we really need to see in a lot of organizing and a lot of outreach. And that's something that we're committed to. Um, so in, in that sense, um, because we are new to Georgia and just starting here in September, it is kind of new unique in what we're doing in the sense of you know, really focusing on civic engagement, but just as importantly is the community organizing. Um, really tying the two together, uh, almost as if we were, you know, building this base of empowered Latinx people that is going to take the next step and be present with confidence, with knowing that they have power—a power a they'll le— a power they will a power they will leverage and seeing. And it's exciting to see what what will be leveraged with our power what what change can we make
1: in this past election there has been a considerable increase in the engagement of black and brown communities in our nation's electoral process but is this enough should our efforts continue or do you think this work is done and if that's it what's next
3: in the past elections yeah there there have there has definitely been a huge increase in the amount of engagement that Black and Brown communities are getting um, in this electoral process. Um, whether well, this is enough. No, this is not enough. It's not enough. And the work should continue. Yes, it's not enough because we are still disenfranchised. Until we get that voter turnout to a, a huge high number, over 90, 100%, when we get everyone to vote and to vote enthusiastically, to vote enthusiastically for a person or for an issue, that's. Even then our work does not continue because that needs to be sustained. This, this work is not enough. We've so many organizations that have been carrying the burden of reaching out to these organizations where really the burden should rest on the person that wants to win. You know, in this case, the candidate, the campaign, the party, you know, we've been neglected, you know, as a community, but also here in Georgia, you know, neither party has done outreach for us. Another party has tried to reach out to us in a substantive matter, you know, one that isn't pandering or a simple Spanish language something. Um, there's no, we've seen no actual good faith, substantive effort to reach out to our communities, phone calls or even knocking on doors. That's something that we're seeing with our canvassers and phone bankers. You know, a lot of people that our phone bankers have called, you know, they're surprised that they're getting someone speaking their language, just giving them information because 100% of our team is bilingual entirely. And we're offering this information in Spanish. And we're seeing a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of the Latinx community don't know—they didn't know they could early vote. They didn't know they could absentee. Um, they didn't know that they could vote again in the next election. They thought you only get to vote once and that's it. The, um, some folks who realized that their voter registration status had not been canceled after all, despite very suspicious letters they've received saying otherwise. But this this, you know, this is not enough. We are just now seeing what it means to be an engaged community. We still have a lot more work to do, and a lot of the organizations on the ground in Georgia bear are bearing bearing that uh, bearing that burden. But it shouldn't just be on us because ultimately, the one If the candidate wants to win the. They have to ask for that win. They have to ask for the vote. You can't, And it can't just be transactional where, you know, you ask us to vote and then if we don't, it's somehow our fault because we weren't engaged. We weren't paid attention to. Hell, we weren't even given the information on how to vote. We already understand the history of voter suppression in Georgia. We know the racist history of this runoff laws in Georgia. It was done to disenfranchise black voters. This is a fact in Georgia history. That is the purpose of why our runoff system is just so the way it is. But this time we're seeing that it's uh, working against uh, the, the original purpose. Um, but this work will never stop. It, it never will because even when we get to a point where we agree this is good, what we're saying is good, that work has to continue. That work has to be, we can't just let go of it and let it fall and having to do this all over again. And that's also something we're very committed to is that after election on January 6th, I'll take my day off, but the work continues. We're going to continue registering voters. We're going to continue doing outreach to our community. This is something we're going to do year round, not just during election season. Um, We're going to be here to stay. And that's something that parties and candidates and campaigns also have to realize. Just for this runoff is when I finally saw some Latinx hires on some of these campaigns and parties, and while that's very exciting seeing people, you know People, you know people that look like you being represented on that in that campaign and that staff. It's long overdue um, I just hope that the candidates and especially the parties who have made Latinx hires Keep those hires make those permanent positions permanent. If there's a Latinx director make that position permanent make that person be responsible for outreach to our communities. You know, we can all work together, we need some help. We can't just, you know, nonprofits can't just be reliant entirely on funding, uh, relying entirely on free labor from those passionate and tenacious volunteers. Um, The party can help candidates and campaigns absolutely should help. Um, And the work continues. And I hope that, you know, we're showing that we're a community that's worth it. That's worth the respect. Um, and for that reason is is why we're going out and doing this outreach because our community community deserves it.
0: Maria, now on to you. Thank you so much for being here today. Can you tell us a little bit more about the effort uh, that you and Georgia Familias Unidas have led in the run up to Georgia's Senate
4: election? So Georgia Familias Unidas is a new organization. We officially started in July 1st and we started doing mutual aid work in the, what we call polleras in Gainesville, Georgia. Gainesville is 50 miles northeast of Atlanta. We are known as the poultry capital of the world. And so as someone who has worked in poultry and has had family members, and still has family members that work in the production lines of the poultry plants. I, I knew that our, our folks were getting sick. I knew that a lot of things were going on in the poultry plants that shouldn't have been during a pandemic where we were pushing for socially distant measures. And so a group of us took action. Uh, we actually took action while my mom was very sick. A uh, Close friend lost her father. And um, other friends as well were being impacted and exposed at the poultry plants. So we decided to dedicate ourselves to doing PP distribution, uh, fundraising for financial assistance. We actually started a funeral assistance uh, stipend to give out to community members, and from there it grew. We we knew that these elections, that the census was huge, and so we've done civic engagement work as well for our community to make sure that they have the educational materials that they need and resources, every single action that we do is centered around providing PPE to the folks that need it most, our essential workers
1: in Gain control. Maria, the work you are doing is so important. But let me ask you a question. Why do you think this one-off election is so vital? And additionally, what do you see as the importance of the Latino community participating in this election and ultimately getting to the polls?
4: This runoff election is is so crucial. And I am positive that like uh, no tengo que decir a no that don't escuchando aquí eso, like I don't need to tell anyone that why it's so crucial, but but in context of the Latinx uh, community participating and, and going out to the polls, it's it's so crucial because I tell a lot of folks, you know, in Georgia the median age for voting is in the mid-20s. And so many of our younger folks, um, you know, their parents are first-generation immigrants, many of them, especially in Gainesville, where we have the the uh, highest propor- propor- uh, proportional rate for per capita, um, you know, group of undocumented folks per immigrant population. You know when when a 24 year old that was born in Gainesville, Georgia, goes to go vote, they don't just vote for themselves. They vote for their family. They vote for their mixed status family. They vote for their family's Poyeras. mind you. During a pandemic that uh, they decided to speed up the belt lines in April of 2020, right after we had announced uh, the shutdown of the majority of the country, um, Congress um, approved. To increase belt lines for poultry plants higher than, than had ever been in this country since there was large labor rights movements. And so that was at stake. The well-being of our folks in uh, essential working hubs like Gainesville, like so many different parts of Georgia. Georgia is a large agricultural state. We pride ourselves on contributing to the food supply chain, yet we don't pride ourselves in implementing policies that reduces stress, reduces strain, physical toil during moments that there's not protection for folks to even take off the time they need to recover from COVID-19. So that's what's at stake for us is is a, you know, is policymakers being elected that don't care about nuestras dias, about me, about mi madre. And so, you know, we're going to turn out to vote. Our communities are going to go out to vote in this election, I'm sure of it.
0: And what message would you send to communities of color today? Um, where can they access information and tools that can help them ensure they can indeed vote? Where and how to find their polling station, times for in-person voting,
4: etc.? How would you guide them? The message that I would send to communities of color today is that we are powerful and Georgia is a beautiful example of that. Dios mio. We have like such a rich history of organizing. You know, Stacey Abrams has definitely put us on the map and she deserves all the credit she gets and then some. Um, And she also is amazing at, at pointing out the fact that you have black women organizing in all parts of, of Georgia who lead like coalition tables, who lead, uh, you know, super amazing See c three organizations nonprofits and and other organizations that are really mobilizing our folks because not only do they organize like directly impacted communities, these organizers are part of the directly impacted community and so you know, we need to make sure that we're accessing the information that we need, you know? Um checking the Secretary of State's office as as folks too, especially in a state where only one county has bilingual access, it's only in Spanish, only in Gwinnett County, puedes unos materiales in español, but the other one hundred and fifty eight counties don't have language access. We need to make sure that we're checking our MVP.ga um you know dot SOS dot gov. Um, Website, but we also need to make sure that we're sharing that with, with our family members because that access to key information, especially when polling places are being shut down, is, is more important now than, than it was
1: before. Maria, we will make sure to link those resources on our webpage. But as you know, Congress has just approved the relief package. What do people need to know about this? Who is eligible?
4: yes so congress has just approved a release package and i know i know we're all waiting to see if it's if it's going to stay at 600 or if it's going to go up to 2000 but you know what what folks really need to know about this is that this relief package is a little bit better than than the other one um that we had earlier this year because of mixed status homes and in regards to that i'm not saying the rest of it is great and but i do think that we need to know That a lot of families who have someone in their household, a crucial member, a spouse, you know, um, someone who contributes to the income of the family, if they both didn't have the documented status that the first package provided earlier this year, you know, families were left without a stimulus package. U.S. citizens in our communities, in our, you know, first generation U.S. citizen communities and beyond were impacted and left out from any kind of small relief that the government is providing. And so this time around, I think that's an important thing that we, we did win at least a little bit in regards to making sure that stimulus applies to mixed status homes. Um, and, you know, this is going to benefit that our community the most, um, but, you know, there's still a lot of folks left in the gap. So we're making sure that we're continuing our financial assistance programs on that end.
1: Bueno Andrea, it's time for our moraleja and it seems we are on the precipice of change. Un momento en tiempo que dice, Latino, you have the power to change not only what happens in Georgia, but ultimately what happens in our nation. Together we can forge a new story in the American experience. ¿Qué te parece Andrea? Jose, I can only sum it up in words that I will
0: take from Héctor. Vámonos mi raza porque vamos a ganar. That is it. We need to continue raising awareness regarding our voting rights, the importance of being engaged, the impact that this engagement can have on our communities and the future of our kids. I think uh, we also need to take a look back in time, just like the song does, evoking an era of struggle, but at the same time committed to change. If we listen closely, not only to the song, but to our silence, we will realize that silence is not an option and that the change we are seeking will only come if we are everything
1: but complacent and quiet. And with that, I want to take this opportunity on behalf of LACLA to wish all our listeners a Happy New Year. We have come to the end of this podcast. Special thanks to Susan Duran, Maria Rosario Palacios, and Hector Flores of Las Cafeteras. We look forward to seeing Latinos rise up to ensure that our communities have a voice. Make sure to go out and vote, because you are the spark of change. Hasta la próxima.
0: That's it for now. Be sure to follow us at LACLA, that is L-C-L-A-A on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And visit our website, www.lacla.org. La Clase del Desvío Podcast is a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, the voice of working people. To learn more about issues that affect workers, visit laborradionetwork.org. This podcast was made possible by the support of the AFL-CIO and the Si Podemos Fund, the Latin National C4 Organization.
3: The